we're re-releasing healing extreme independence on Josh and I's 14th anniversary of meeting each other and falling in love. This episode released last year on or about our anniversary, and it has been one of our most popular episodes. So please enjoy Healing Extreme Independence. Hey there, Jules here, and welcome to Jules Loves Me, the podcast. My life is a surrender experiment where I choose faith over fear to follow my intuition. And it has all led me here to share wholehearted stories about what I've learned along the way. So take a nice deep breath, settle in, and remember, the light in me loves the light in you. Now let the elevation of your soul's experience begin. Hey there, today's episode is all about extreme independence and how being extremely independent is actually a response to trauma. Yeah, right? I know it it makes you just kind of swallow hard or makes your stomach kind of flip a little bit when you think of it like that because I don't know about you, but for me throughout my 20s and into my 30s, being independent has always been a goal. And not only has it been a goal, but it's been a survival method for me. Over the years with all of the really tough situations that I've been through from battling bullies through childhood on up through really toxic relationships to manipulative friendships. I mean, I've, I've kind of had it from all different ways. And throughout that process or throughout those experiences, I always felt at the end of it as if I could have done better and more for myself by just keeping everybody else away, keeping everybody out. So having um, that armor around my heart to not only show that I was really tough and you weren't going to hurt me and you weren't going to get to the core of me was really hurting me over time. And what I once thought to be the best method, the best approach to avoiding those letdowns, the damage from others. And again, just protecting my heart at all costs really wasn't the best way. So what does it mean when we are extremely independent? You know, what is what are we really doing in those moments and over time? And what kind of lifestyle does that establish? Is it really helping you? So this brings me to a time when I decided to become extremely independent. So let me paint the picture. Let me set the stage for you, if you will, my friend. So I am 26 years old 
and I am battling with the idea of having an inoperable brain tumor and I did not love the life that I was living. So it felt like I was being given an opportunity to try again, another shot to not get tripped up by all those bad people that have been coming in my life, coming through, and what felt like was to only mess with me, to leave me hurt and broken. It was my chance to leave all of them behind, leave all of it behind, and start a new life by moving to Savannah, Georgia. And when I did that, when I made the choice to follow my dream of pursuing a career as a professional makeup artist, that was one move of independence because I was leaving all my comforts, going to a new city to start a new life where I could write the rules and I could be the boss, I could be in charge of myself. And I could also see what I was made of. So this feels like the perfect opportunity to bring in my wonderful husband who is a part of the story because not only was this the, um, the idea of extreme independence, but it was also the inception of our relationship. So welcome, Josh. Well, hello. It's so nice to be here. <laughs> so I want to talk about the story of now we have a very magical, romantic, love at first sight type of story. I feel like we could cue the love bird type music, like doo -doo -doo, something like that. <laughs> However, that's not where we're going with this because that was not at all it, not even a little bit where I was going with my life. It was not to find love. I was absolutely in the mindset of I'm all set here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, you are kind of my fact checker, if you will, through my story process for our friends at home. <laughs> <laughs> so I come to Savannah with a makeup box and a dream. And I just knew that I was being given this chance, this opportunity to live life on my own terms. And wasn't nobody gonna mess that up for me. I don't care if it was true love. <laughs> yeah, you were very sure about that. You were like, I'm here for a reason and it's not you. Ouch. Quote, unquote, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, we get the, the, the friends at home will get the vibe that I was definitely not open to the idea of relationships or love. And, you know, my history was um, filled with many situations where I did not make the best decisions when it came to that. And um, I also had been through lots of different friendships and all that kind of deal. So, you know, the idea of being on my own was, um, was so 
beautiful to me. I just, that's what I wanted. And so meeting you is really funny because I was given this opportunity to move to Savannah with our mutual friends. And they had a house, they had, you know, they, they were living great lives. They just knew Savannah was the place for me. And the, and the odd part about it to me in that moment was I wasn't, I hadn't even considered Savannah. It wasn't on my radar of places to go. However, I was looking for a place to go because I was ready to start over. And coming to Savannah on the initial trip to check it out is when I then found out that there was another roommate that they had not told me about, which was you. Da-na-na, da-na-na. <laughs> That's the ESPN play right there. Because I knew about you. I knew you were coming. I had seen pictures. I saw you as a as a promotional model. You were beautiful. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh and you were you were so cute with your super deep voice that you dropped, I think, an octave. You know, sometimes I like try to make uh an impression with this thing. You just gotta talk real sweet but it wasn't your good looks or striking deep voice that wooed me it was there there seemed to be a connection between us that was not only undeniable but also very familiar and felt as if we knew each other and we were just recognizing each other again right so I could not deny that as much as I tried. And <laughs> because my, <laughs> my thought on it was not, and it really had nothing to do with you. It is one of these situations where it had nothing to do with you and everything to do with you all at the same time. So I was there to finally launch business uh, of becoming a or living the dream out of being a professional makeup artist. And I knew or I felt in that time period that I knew that I could get tripped up by the idea of love because I really wanted love. That's part spoiler alert, friends. This is how we are built. We are hardwired for love and connection. So that was happening within me. And I didn't know, bottom line, if I could trust you. And, and I mean, you had all the reasons why I should trust you. I mean, you know, it, it all just, wow, just was lining up. And, and I was like, uh-huh, I've been here before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where's they always the- they always seem like they've got their stuff together. They always seem like a good option. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fall for it this time. And so I absolutely was trying to wear that armor around my heart and you felt it. Oh yeah. It was it was so much so that I was the butt of the jokes. 
a lot of time between you and your 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 friends. You knew these guys for a lot longer than I did, but we were homies. But that made it easy for them to make me the butt of the joke because that's we're always looking for the opportunity to make each other the butt of the joke. And with you, it was like it was like, oh, well, we're just we're just going to make him the bottom of this ladder. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, it's not fun being down here. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That but then happened. you cleaned my feet. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you might need to give a little seat. Okay, we went to this really great restaurant in Savannah and had a sandwich, and I, I dropped some sandwich on my feet. Or did you drop the sandwich? No, you dropped the, I sandwich. Dropped the sandwich. It, it hit the ground, ricocheted, went all over your feet. And, and I was like, uh, And I immediately just started to help you. Yeah, you and just I didn't even sort of think of it. And, but you sat back in awe of me, and you're like, she's cleaning my feet. This is a very Jesus moment, even though I'm not religious. <laughs> don't I don't know. know much. It was really an interesting it was, moment. It was very, yeah, it was one of those things where it, again, how you can feel comfortable with somebody that you've just met, and you can just kind of fall into that um, relationship. So the thing was, is that getting past the initial flutters and, and, you know, that realization that there was something here. I went back to Florida to go pack up my life, pack up my PT cruiser and come back to Savannah. And at that point it was very clear that I we couldn't do it without each other. Like we had to, we had to give it a chance. Okay. We had to test this thing out. We had to see what it was all about. And I was, I was good with that because I could feel the, the pull towards it. Now here's the thing. I felt strongly that my intuition was guiding me. And so I wanted to trust that I wanted to desperately believe that that you were the one that I was waiting for, that you, it was going to work out, that we would get married and have kids, even though I didn't even see that in my future. You know, I was, I wanted to be open to that kind of stuff with you. And I was willing before that to be alone. And again, like I was going to Savannah to do this thing by myself. My idea was like, I'm going to get a dog. And then that'll be my companion and I'll be good. Like I'll just snuggle up with my pup and watch movies on nights that I feel lonely, on days where I feel sad. You know, it'll be fine. I had it figured out. That's funny. You did get the dog. I got the dog because mm -hmm. I was like, I'm here. Let me get the dog. Yeah. I was saying, so Roscoe was a backup plan? Ro Roscoe was like the the companion component in the plan. Oh, I was the I was the extra. You were the extra. Oh, okay, that makes right. more sense. I mean, that's so truthful. But that's how I I I couldn't plan for you. I was like, I, I know how this stuff works out. Like, you start to try to build a life around somebody, or try to build a life with somebody, and then, you know, the other shoe drops, and then boom, it doesn't work out. So I didn't want to go through that again because I, I didn't think that I could survive it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I knew that if it didn't work out with you, then I was really just going to be totally checked out. Like I knew that the, the one little window of my heart that was open 
was going to completely just shutter itself down. Like, you know, like the, the hurricane shutters were going to come down, the, we're just gonna roll it up. The moat was going to come out around the heart. Like you weren't going to get to it is what I'm saying. And I remember one of our earliest arguments, me being so mad and being like, the other shoe is not going to drop. Yeah. You like, said that to me. I did. Stop waiting for it to drop. And I thought, Okay, well, that sounds way easier said than done. Hmm. And um, okay, we shall see. Because the the jar of of marbles, and this is a jar that Brene Brown talks about, about, you know, trust is is built over a thousand little things. And so think of it as a jar filled of marbles over time. So, you know, we were just fresh. We were just getting to know each other kind of thing. And, you know, we had a few marbles in there because you were showing up, um, showing up strong. But at the same time, I was also building my own marble jar for myself. Right. Because I wanted to prove to myself that I could, in fact, do this. And I felt that this was my only shot because like I started in, in the beginning of this, I felt that my life was limited. Like this was my second chance. And so it was like, you are not going to screw it up over a boy, you know? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so, um, so that idea of, again, extreme independence was based on all of my pain. It was based on all of my hurt and it was based on not being understood and not being valued or appreciated. And so since that's the case, I will just close up shop and I will hold all that love inside. And you think you're giving it to yourself. Like I thought that was how I was showing myself that I loved me, you know, that I valued me. And I think at that point in my journey, that was true. And it was an extreme boundary that I was creating. So I thought, but it was really a wall. And so I had this fortress type of a wall around my heart. And, you know, over time, in the beginning, you can understand it because, you know, you're like, okay, we're going to know each other. But then when you're really in a relationship or a friendship or whatever have you, where things start to challenge the trust between you or start to um, make it more of a struggle. When they say the honeymoon phase is over type of thing. The ground starts to shake. Right, yeah, and you foundation. start to feel that. Um, then it feels like that's when the rubber hits the road on the level of, okay, what is this really made out of? You know, And I started to see that I was definitely in self-protection mode, but it wasn't self-preservation. It wasn't like, it wasn't a healthy thing is what I'm saying. I was just going into old protection patterns of, oh, I'm going to close up that. I'm going to close up this. And what was, what was happening is we were not connecting, you know? And even within friendships that I would develop or, you know, these people would come into my life and I would question, you know, their, um, their authenticity or their, uh, their reasonings. Cause mm. you know, there would always be something and I would feel that inside. And then that friendship 
wouldn't work out, you know, go, "Uh uh-huh. And that backed up this whole process that I was doing, which was hardening my heart, you know, and, and it left me feeling very sad on the inside. You know, it made me feel lonely on the inside because the only reason I was protecting my heart is because I wanted to prove to other people that they couldn't get to me. You know, I, I wanted to fool you into believing that I didn't really care that much about you when the truth was, is I really, really did care about you so much, sometimes more than I cared about myself. And I wasn't proud of that. You know, there, there's, there was something in that that felt inherently off, mm-hmm. but I didn't know another way. And I, I wanted to have this conversation because I, you know, we saw a post come through our private Facebook group and it said extreme independence is a trauma response. And it lit up some folks. I mean, they were just like, what? Oh my gosh, that really hit me. That spoke directly to me. And it brought me back in my awareness of, I remember operating with that exact philosophy, not realizing that it was just a response to not wanting to feel more pain, to not feel any more suffering and how, how much that of that was, um, good for me, you know, again, and then under learning how much of that was not good for me. So I wanted to open up this topic Mm -hmm. and the other posts that came through and this was not planned. So the next day I posted something about if I asked you to list all of the things that you loved, how long would it be before you put your name on the list? your own name. And that really struck home with a lot of folks too. So both of those really stood out to me as far as a topic, because we just wrapped up, I just wrapped up the teaching episode of processing emotions. So it brings back the idea of not wanting to be messy, not Mm -hmm. wanting to have your feelings and emotions inconvenience others. And also for you not to feel like you care more than the other person, because that's very vulnerable. You know, I used to hate growing up when people would say, oh, you're so tenderhearted or don't wear your heart on your sleeve. And I didn't really understand what that stuff meant anyways. So it was confusing. And also it felt like I couldn't help it. Right. And there was almost a form of weakness that was baked into that. Right. And think about the polarity that's built into that naturally. Like on one side you have, I'm extremely independent because I've been hurt and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do me because I know that I can control me and I can control what comes in. But then at the same time, on the other end of it, you're pushing all of your love to other people outwards, you know, in a way that like excludes yourself. Mm. So like on one side of the, of this thing, you're, you're protecting yourself and on the other side, you're excluding yourself. And that is inevitably the communication breakdown within yourself that you can, you can love so broadly and exclude yourself while protecting yourself within this wall. 
that was so deep. You bro. know what I mean? I that mean, was so good. Yeah. Ugh. And that's exactly where I was. I had not really been taught or shown that loving myself first was the most healthy way to go about things. Because when I loved myself, I then opened myself to receive love and give it in a way that is healthy. You know, because we're trained to believe that, especially women, that that is just selfish. Like even what I just said about loving myself first, I know that that is going to trip off triggers and thorns for some listeners because it's it's a hard thing to become clear on, you know, that you're not loving yourself sometimes at all, but definitely not first, you know, and I, I almost felt like I had to reserve that spot for people outside of me. You know, it was like the, the, there's a blank spot, um, on my heart, like Taylor Swift has a name, has a song like that. Right. And I'm going to put your name on it kind of thing. And it almost felt like the, I heart blank, like who's going to go there. I never thought about putting myself there until way later in our marriage. So we were, we're way past the honeymoon stage. We are way past. So at this point in the story, I am now um, eight months pregnant and I am so upset. I'm actually on the bathroom floor crying and we had a terrible fight and it was um, around the time of Thanksgiving. I was not able to travel because of high-risk pregnancy. I was at that point where it's like, you got to be home now. Yeah. And all of our family lived away. So I never thought about all the stressors of that, that that was bringing to me, like feeling sad, missing people, feeling, you know, the grief of that, feeling um, the the hormonal side of being that in that point in my pregnancy and all the things you were feeling of your new role is that like there were so yeah. many different stressors that we scared. weren't even, yeah we were <laughs> right scared of the unknown for sure and it's like we were not considering and factoring that stuff in so duh we got into a big old fight and i remember sitting on the bathroom floor and um, i don't know what it is about the bathroom floor i don't know but there's something very like there must be like a portal when you're on the bathroom floor, like your tears unlock it. I don't know, but some things happened when when I have been there. I mean, Glennon Doyle has talked about it. Elizabeth Gilbert has talked about it. Their books. So I'm just saying something something happens there. And I remember grabbing my phone and grabbing notepad, right? Like just to write a memo because I, I was like, I have to write something and it just came out. And it wasn't until recently that I stumbled across this note and I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, I remember that feeling. And that was the first time that I, in that moment was when I really became clear that my goal was to not need anybody else. My goal was to be so solid, like a fortress, like nobody was going to come in and hurt me. And I, that was my goal. And I realized 
that I had gotten really far away from that goal because obviously I'm upset. I'm hurt. Like I was so, so sad. And I wrote in this note about how I'm always there for everybody else. I'm always the person that people come to. I'm always the one who is ready to be your friend in your time of need. But yet I didn't feel that. Like I didn't feel like I had that. I have one friend that I've always been able to call, right? Always been able to call her. But the thing is, is sometimes you just don't want to keep calling that person because you're just like, damn, I should get over it already. Or I should be able to like handle this already. You know, I've already called her about the same thing five times already. You know what I mean? So you then isolate and you, you're like, no, you just got to figure it out. And you like punish yourself almost by feeling like it's yours. You're, you're across the bear. And so I was writing this out and I was writing about how I, I didn't know who was ever going to be there for me kind of thing in the way that I was there for other people. And of course I know that this was the pain talking, you know, this was the old stuff, the old hurt coming through. And just as clearly as I asked, who's going to be there for me? I clearly heard you are, but in a different way. It wasn't a, you're going to help yourself by protecting yourself. It's, you need to learn how to work on this relationship with you. If you're going to be the one that's always going to be here picking up these pieces, if you're always going to be the one to get yourself up off the bathroom floor, then you better get in a better relationship with you, don't you think? And I was, I felt so like, oh, snap, that sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a whole lot of responsibility. <laughs> and I'm, I'm too busy being broken right now, so I'm going to have to revisit that at a later time. But I will tell you, it snapped me out of that. And it, cause it was so clear. It was like, oh my gosh. We, I had, had Julian then went into the cycle of motherhood, was on the bathroom floor some more going through those changes and trying to figure out how I still, um, manage my perfectionism of fooling everybody into thinking I have it all figured out while I'm in the midst of figuring it out and it being messy you know, and that's when my real true awakening happened was during that period. So it was almost like the, the writing was on the wall, so to speak, like it was coming, it was coming. And it was letting me know that it, my heart was about to get cracked open and to get bigger. So that fortress had to come down mm -hmm. and had to be able to um, be penetrated by love. And that came in the form of Julian, because I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know a love like this. Like it was so transcending for me. It was like such an experience. And and for anybody who doesn't have have children listening to this, I'm not saying that's the only way you get there. I'm for me, that's how my journey went. And through that, I started to understand that I didn't want to teach Julian how to guard his heart the way I had been taught to guard my heart because I was also raised by very strong, extremely independent women. Yes, extremely independent. It, and I mean, like, that was 
life class with them was you make sure you always can take care of yourself. You always have like your side thing happening where like side thing, meaning like, um, like an exit strategy. Mm -hmm. So if you need to go, you can go. And, and just so you know, these women had very abusive, traumatic experiences in their life. So it made sense, but I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't understand all that at that time. All I knew was you listen to them because they're still standing. Yeah, your upbringing was your left hand, you got your cartera, and your right hand, you got your chancleta. Uh-huh, and yeah. then you have you have money tucked away in your bra. And your bra, too. <laughs> and you got everything covered right there. You could beat somebody, you could get away, and you got your money. Right, and that was always the extremist type of, you know, so I had to, but then I looked at my mom, and I looked at my grandma, and I looked at their pain, mm-hmm. too, yeah, they were still standing. Yeah, they had survived, but they were also feeling a lot of pain still. And so I knew that that model wasn't foolproof. Like I knew that I had to do some work there, but I didn't know what. And it wasn't until I had Julian that I realized, oh, I'm going to set him up now with these things unless I take the responsibility of my own healing. Wow. That's strong. And sometimes the only way you get there is through having to do it for someone else, you know? So that is a beautiful segue into why we also need other people. Why the extremist idea of being alone in order for protection these people right protection and these people in these situations to not harm us is also keeping out the helpers and the people who want to love us and the blessings and the beautiful experiences all the things that are there and meant to be there for us to bring us to our highest good you know I used to always think, again, like I said, I used to always think that that love, that that number one spot lived outside of me. Like it was an external, I had to have that in order to feel complete. You know, you fell in the blank kind of thing. And what I learned was that I had been going about this whole thing the wrong way. You know, like putting myself last on the list was not going to help me or anybody else. And so when I started to take serious control over what I could control, which was how I was handling things. And, and I mean by like control, starting the process (laughs) of trying to control that stuff and replace the, the tapes Mm -hmm. with the positive stuff that I wanted to see. And I had to let go of this old stuff. And that's when I started to understand that there was such a severe unlearning that had to happen because I wasn't in survivalist mode anymore. I didn't need to be in that mode anymore. I needed to allow myself to feel safe within myself. So you had to unlearn your fears in order to learn love in like a real way. Right. I remember when when that kind of shift happened with you. Um, 
you know, for, for me on the receiving end of, of how our relationship went, I remember there was one point in time in a fight that I accused you of treating everybody else so well while you treated me like crap. And, um, and then shortly thereafter, I, I, you've told me since then that that landed on you, but I remember shortly thereafter being in a disagreement or a fight or whatever, and you didn't follow the script. I was following the script still because I was still, you know, my doing my thing. And then, but you weren't following the script. You weren't playing anymore. You weren't fighting back. You were, you were meeting me um, from a loving place and from a forgiveness place. Um, and I didn't even understand that. I was like, I was like, no, no, no. Where's the, where's the thing? You're gonna say the thing, and I was where's gonna say our the fight? thing. I was gonna, I had a really good one coming up. Where, where are you at? You know. Yeah. And um, and then it was just like more and more. That was the regular. Was that you were turning more towards? I see it now. You were turning towards love instead of turning towards, um, you know, the fear and the aggression and the uh, and the the cold heartedness that we become accustomed to in a relationship and in, in a a uh, the way that relationships for most people feel normal is to be cold and turned away from each other instead of warm and lighting each other up because you're protecting yourself exactly because you're the people closest to you can hurt you the most mm -hmm. you know right. and so but I, thank you for making that shift within yourself because that's the only reason that our relationship has gotten to where it is like i don't think i would have gotten there on my own but you did it and then i saw what you were doing and recognized the softness that was coming from you and i mirrored that back to you I remember when you said that to me and I was so mad at you. Oh, I was so mad at you because I felt like I was treating you well, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, like as far as check off the boxes kind of wife status, yeah. I, you know, I was like a phenomenal wife. <laughs> <laughs> but what happened within my mind was different than what I was externally doing. Right. And so. Yeah. It wasn't even, about cooking me dinner or folding my laundry. For it sure. was about like how you respond in a situation right. that's tough. And, and from processing emotions, we learned that you can, emotions can be felt past your skin. So you could feel the crap that I was talking in my mind right. about you. And so when I started to check myself on the fuel that I was adding to the fire, and taking responsibility for that, that's when I started to understand that I had a big role in this. So really thank you for doing that because you held a mirror up and you helped me see a blind spot that I couldn't see by myself. So this is another reason why we are hardwired for connection. Right. You know, so in A Course in Miracles, I've learned so much about that connection with each other being the place where our miracles come from. That's where our truth lies. Because in that moment, my brother, sister, in that moment, in the oneness, in the, in the uh, one love type of vibe, they are the one that hold certain blessings for me that I can't access unless I allow them to be within my heart or within the openness of, of my being. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm going to close up and I'm going to harden my heart and I'm going to be tough so you know you can't get to me, 
but I know that's not true. Right. I know that in my heart. I know that's not true. So that's where the conflict really is. That's where the pain is, is that that's not how I want to be. But that's what I'm choosing to do to myself because of what? Protecting the relationship, protecting the, you know, my comfort zone. Right. And so I, I realized that I had to start changing the patterns within my relationship to see what the relationship really even was, you know, I had to, I had to check that out and, and, uh, fact check that, you know, mm. was it really, um, something that was going to, to last? Was this something that I was really more responsible for than I thought? Was I blaming you? Was I expecting too much out of you to fix it all? Cause you know, that, that's also a thing. It's like, you fix this, you gain my trust and then I will open myself up to you. But what I realized was that's it's a carrot it on a stick. It doesn't help yeah, and it doesn't work. So through wanting to model love, true love for Julian, it helped me learn it myself and gave me the practice. So when I started checking myself, um, not only on what I was saying, um, about you in the privacy of my own mind, but also what I was saying about me in the privacy of my own mind and choosing not to beat myself up, choosing not to go against my intuition when I knew better, hmm. even if that challenged you, if that challenged anybody, I got to the point where that became my practice of no more self-betrayal. You know, it's, I believe the extreme independence also is rooted from a place of the fear of abandonment. There's some form of that in there, you know? And so when I became aware of that, I wasn't going to abandon myself, then I felt a different level of trust within myself of, Hey girl, um, you know, your gut is telling you something. Why do you keep ignoring it? And then me going, mm, yeah, if I ignore it, I know it's going to happen. It's going to bite me in the butt. It's going to get louder. Mm, okay. It's going to get real uncomfortable. All right. So let me just figure this out. Let me sit with it. Let me see what it's got to say. And so when I started doing that, those marbles in that jar started adding up. And what happens when you build those marbles in your trust jar for yourself and with other people is you gain more trust, right? You start feeling better. But when it's self-trust you're building, you then also start to build self-resilience. And that's what I truly was after, was that no matter what may happen, who comes and goes, what situation I find myself in or what lesson comes to find me, I can survive it. And not only survive it, I can handle it well. That was really what I was after the whole time with the extreme independence. I just wanted to be able to not have a situation take me under, you know, to where I couldn't get back up. I was so scared of that. And I really hadn't given myself the opportunity to flex my muscles in that department. That to me was the true um, 
bravery and, right. and courage was the ability to bet on me and, and know that I could do it. So this is like the classic example of Jesus with the lion and the lamb. You know, you're, you view love and being loving and being open as being weakness. That's what, that's what our world teaches us is that that is weakness, but it is truly the strength and the courage of a lion, um, you know, to be able to, to do that and to walk, you know, walk courageously through whatever the storm is. Um, that the lamb can walk with the lion exactly. can actually be next to each other and the lamb feels safe. The lamb, that's why the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. Right. That's the true meaning of it because I can be gentle with myself and others and also feel strong. And I didn't know how to do that before. It's what I learned was that the true strength comes from that strong foundation, the foundation being built internally on not only my relationship with me and my inner world being a place where I can go and hang out and it's not an ugly, horrible, scary place, but it's in union with the source. And so when I come back home there, that's where I get my strength from. And when I can recognize that same love within another and choose to lean into that and love them in their hard times, love them in their moments of their extreme independence, that really does a lot for both of you. And that's where the blessing is. That's where the miracles happen, right. where we start to realize, wow, there is a way that we can coexist and really thrive as a, as a unit, you know? And I don't mean just in marriage and friendships. Yeah. I mean, as a community, as on a global level, right. you know, just think about that. If we started to really pay attention to what we needed, take care of our needs, listen to that, build up that self-trust, build up that resilience. Your fear of the unknown would get much smaller because you would know and trust that no matter what came your way, no matter what came up, you'd know what to do. And you trust that. And that's what I have learned now 13 years past moving to Savannah and with that idea, my dream was the makeup box and a dream. The dream was really that nobody was ever going to hurt me again. <laughs> <laughs> I was never clear on what the dream was, but I thought I thought it was about making money at first. People think the dream was to be a makeup artist, but the tr the truth of it is, like, I just wanted to be an independent woman, not not need anybody. And what you know, jokes on me because what I really found out was that. We are so interconnected and intertwined that there, there's you there's if you close it up, then there's nothing that you can receive. There's no love going out, but there's no love coming in. And that's what we all are in serious need of, especially right now. So I think the timing of this episode is so divine because not only with everything happening, on a, in the, our country of the United States, but also globally with the pandemic, you know, it makes you feel 
Like you just want to close up shop and just be by yourself and just, you know, have that safety on these people. Everybody's crazy. Everybody's insane. Everybody, you know, like it's very easy to kind of fall into that me versus them type of mindset and that type of heart set. Oh, I like that. No, heart set. Yeah. Heart set. So that's the intentions from my heart. And so, however, when I can use it as an opportunity for strength building and use it as an opportunity for resilience building, faith building, all that stuff, now I'm in a position of being empowered instead of feeling like, why does this always happen to me? Why is this... You know, I'm always the one to pick up those pieces. I'm the one who's always here left standing and no one else is here. Well, now when you know that you are the one that's always there, you are the one that's always going to have your back. You are always the one that's going to pick up your pieces. Now you go, oh, well, let me do, let me put some more investment into you, honey child, because it's going to be me and you. Now let's let's set this relationship up for success, shall we? And that when you have that different spin on it, then when the really tough stuff happened, you build up your habit into being, okay, what's this all about? All right, this is clearly a lesson. Where's the blessing? Oh, this is definitely here to test my patience because it is like, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to pass or are you going to need to take it over? Right. Yeah. You know, so when you start looking at things like that, you're like, oh, OK, it's all a part of my conditioning. It's all a part of my training, my building up of, of self in a good, healthy, strong way. Right. And that's what I always wanted. I actually wanted to be the strongest, the fittest, but not in a survivalist type of way, in a healthy leadership type of way of we can do this. I can do it. You can do it. And, uh, you know, just when it comes to, um, the space that we share with people, you know, and, the and if you've got a burning desire in your heart, we're not necessarily talking about, um, uh, connecting with other people for validation. Mm. It's a level of connecting with other people for love and seeing them for the true being that they are, but they may not tell you what you want to hear. And that doesn't mean that you can't trust yourself. You have to, you have to find a careful balance of being independent enough to trust yourself, to check in with the Holy Spirit, to check in with your inner knowing that tells you which is the right way to go and what, what you hear from your outside sources that you, that do, you know, speak to you. And that's such a great point because another part of our relationship was you challenging me as I was establishing uh, what I knew to be true in exactly. my spirit. Exactly. And even though you couldn't hear what I was hearing at certain times because it was all internal, I had to trust me that I could hear it. Right. And that was very uh, disturbing to you at certain points. It was uncomfortable for you at certain points, but I did it anyways because it was what was best for me and I trusted that it wasn't like, it was like, oh, I think it might be, it was like, no, hell yes, I got to do this. Yeah. Like, if I don't do this, it's like, I'm not going to be able to breathe. And it was so that's that. what was so interesting with you. When you first came to Savannah, you had, you had your, 
the hardening of the heart, like you were talking about before you had that happening, but you also had a burning desire of something that needed to come out of you and something you needed to express and to experience. And mm-hmm. you couldn't allow anybody, including me to trample on that, which is where part of the hardening or of distract me. From. Right. Or, <laughs> you know, and I guess the, the point that I just want, you know, people to definitely understand is that the, um, you, you can, you can follow what you know to be true uh, and still connect with other people without losing yourself, without feeling like you need the validation from another person to say, you're doing it right. You're doing the right thing. You know, just if, if you feel like it's right, then it's right. Yes. There is. Um, I think that's all a part of the journey yeah. is you start to understand that the external approval, the external um, validation, and, and attachments to that stuff is a part of the process and you eventually don't depend on it as much right? because you start to understand through this building process that I've been explaining that you, when you're building up your own integrity, you're also building up your awareness to your own worth and where it comes from and I believe that your worth is determined by God and there's nothing you can do to change it. Like I can't make that worth any greater and I can't make it, I can't mess up and make it less, you know, it's, it just is what it is. And so my job is to just move forward and to continue to live in the potential that I've been given so I can express that love and I can express those miracles and I can be all the things that bring me joy. So then that triggers joy in other people. So, and I, I think the, the true work is identifying when you are doing this, when you're trying to get into your mindset of like, this is the best idea. I'm going to shut everybody else out. I'm going to protect myself. When you find yourself in that place, I hope that this episode encourages you to instead give yourself another option which is to work on building that integrity establishing the self-trust by not betraying yourself by going against what you know and feel deep down and also remembering that the most important relationship that you're ever going to be in is in that inner world within yourself and with the Holy Spirit right there doing that work. That to me is the biggest part of it. So instead of protecting those thorns of hurt, protecting those triggers so nobody pushes the button so you don't get bothered and upset and uncomfortable, instead shifting our perspective of it and saying, reframing it and going, okay, this is one of those opportunities where I get to really protect my peace, but not in a fortress kind of a way, but instead setting a boundary and saying, this is what is best for me. And saying that in a kind way, speaking your truth in a kind way, finding the ways to kind of develop the and incorporate kindness and love into the things you're doing. So it doesn't come across as such a um, harmful, negative thing to yourself and to others. So 
this to me is how we truly build up our strength. This to me is how we truly become valiant in, in the things that we do and how we treat others because we know that we have built it on a strong foundation and that fortress is not really a house of cards that's going to fall down when somebody touches it the wrong way. So with that thought, with that understanding of it being a response to pain and that being totally normal and having another idea of, oh, maybe I can just cultivate the relationship within and all that. Our next breathing room session, November 22nd, is going to be all about setting healthy boundaries. And this is to me the next step in the process. This to me is how you know the difference of having a boundary and, and uh, building a wall. And I'm not trying to encourage anybody, anybody to build walls. So we hope to see you in our membership community where we will be teaching more on boundaries and more on this topic. So give me a text. Let me know what resonated with you. If you are an extremist in your independence or your goal to be completely independent, I want to hear from you. My number is 229-206-9280. Also for... Um, even more conversation, dig into past episodes, what do you believe and trust? Because I think right now you may be wanting to kind of reestablish and reevaluate what you believe in and where trust comes from. So we'll leave you there, friends. So may this episode, may this moment, may this time bring you more peace, more grace, and more joy. And remember that the light in me loves the light in you. Till next time. You've been listening to Jules Loves Me, the podcast. If you feel uplifted and inspired and seen, I invite you to join us in the Miracle Lab, where we expand these conversations into spiritual teachings. Do you need a mentor or an accountability partner? Come to the lab and let's support each other while we experiment with miracles and grow together. Visit www.themiraclelab.org. Special thanks to my co-host Josh, who's also on production and sound design. And a big thank you to you for listening. Send me a text and let me know what landed. 229-206-9280. I'm your host, Jules, and remember, the light in me loves the light in you. I'll see you in the lab.